Good evening and welcome to the KLE podcast and this is your host Sean Smith and we are talking all things kingdom and kingdom leadership equipping. It's about uh, growing up and becoming. It's about being something that uh, the, <laughs> the world doesn't produce in us. It's, it's actually growing up with a new mindset. You shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth shall set you free. So it's growing up into a new mindset. Hey, you know what? This podcast is not about disempowering anybody. This is not about pulling down, breaking down anybody. This is about empowering, empowering you, the listener, empowering you, the church, empowering you, the believer, to be all that God's called you to be, to be the kingdom leader, to be the one that actually brings the kingdom of God to and the influence of the kingdom to where you are. That's what the glory of God is. That's what the presence of God is. It's the influence. It's the culture of the kingdom of God that you bring into every dimension of life, wherever God has placed you, planted you right now, and that's where you bring the kingdom to that place and begin to live that kingdom. You know, that's the thing is it's it's not the only thing – in this podcast, we want to do is pull down the thinking processes, religious thinking strongholds that limits you, that holds you back, that uh, keeps you disempowered. That's what we pull down. And that's what, uh, where we want to empower you is with the right mindset. So much to say about that. But let's get on to something that I really wanted to share with you. I've been thinking about this all day. And uh, kept it, kept it, kept it until now. So for wherever you are in the world, great to have you with us. And uh, thank you for listening. So I wanted to share with you uh, something about identity. Because kingdom leaders, you know, leadership, just leadership as such. Leadership has to have a sense of identity. They have to have know their source. They have to know where they're from why they are and where they're going to. They they need to. But specifically, what is their source? They have to be grounded in something. They have to be, because all leadership is spiritual. So they have to be grounded in something. There has to be a source to their life. They have to have an identity. If, if leadership doesn't have identity, when they lose their identity, they begin to lose their sense of security, their sense of confidence. You know, the one thing that really shook me was when I went through a crisis in 2003 and we lost the whole ministry, we lost everything in, in a, within a month, really. And over the subsequent two, three years, we lost our house and not, we didn't lose our house, but I, had, I was forced to sell it. Um, we lost our cars. We lost. <laughs> I had a Land Rover. Loved my Land Rover. I lost. I had to. I had to give away the Land Rover practically. Well, for for practically nothing, and um, and uh, a lot of disappointment. We lost all our friends. We lost a lot of associates. We lost a lot over that time. And the thing about it that shook me the most was that the the leaders that were that. <laughs> <laughs> sort of had caused all of this was that they had shaken the foundation of my identity and they'd got to that. And that's was the hardest to deal with was losing my sense of identity because as soon as I lost my sense of identity, I lost my purpose. And so suddenly the process became 
the purpose, and and that is not true. You know, God, through the midst of it, did something miraculous and supernatural, taught me a lot of things, and began to prepare me for something else. But it was a long, long, dark walk. You know, it's like uh, somebody said, you, you know, you, you sort of appeared overnight. Well, you know, you should see how night long the night was. It was not a, a short night. It was a long, long night of learning. And so I am here now. But the thing about it is, is today there's a lot of teaching on identity. Everybody's talking about identity. You know, you've got to have identity. In fact, there's a lot of talking about the kingdom of God. So, you know, it's just kingdom, this kingdom, that, and everything gets packaged together in one thing. And it successfully dilutes really the the incredible um, DNA of what it is, the incredible revelation of what kingdom really is and, and how to live the kingdom and what it means to you and to your life whether you are in an official capacity as a leader or not, whether you're just walking as a disciple of Jesus, you know. And, um, and so we, a lot of these terms get diluted. But I wanted to share with you today, because when it comes to living kingdom, it's about a paradigm. It's about a mindset. It's about, it's about having your mind in the, in the right place. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says we've got to put off the old and put on the new. We've got to put off the old man with, with all his lusts and desires and everything else and be renewed in the spirit of our mind or in the attitude of our mind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, 22, 23, somewhere around there. And, and be renewed in the spirit of the mind or in the attitude of the mind, in the nuance, in the thinking processes of your mind. And then put on the new. So the only way to put off the old, the only way it, to not be conformed any longer, to not live in the old way, to not be to be not be bound up into obligations and rules of men, etc., but to begin to live in the liberty that Christ has called you to in the new man, which after God is made or created in righteousness and true holiness. And righteousness means you're in right standing, you can approach God with liberty. Holiness means that you are just like God in holiness, in standing before Him, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been and how you failed. You know, that's the incredible thing about it is, is that Jesus fixed it all. And so the thing about it is, is that if you want to change behavior, you've got to change your mind. Now, religion hates that concept. They fight that. They oppose that. It's change. They hate change. And so they will oppose you on every form or format. But change is the essentiality of what we experience and need to go through. It's transformation. We're hoping that something supernatural, some miracle happens, you know, that that everything is suddenly different and it's not going to happen. So it's the mindset that we need to have as kingdom leaders, as kingdom people, as the church, as believers, as disciples, as leaders, we, we, the, the mindset all begins, the paradigm to lead the way Jesus wants us to lead, to lead biblically, to lead the kingdom way, all begins in your identity. 
If you don't have the right identity, if you don't identify with the right role, your paradigm doesn't change. If you're identifying with just being a Christian, to, of being a member of a church, of a denomination, if you're just identifying with being of some celebrity preacher, some fancy named guy, some prophet, some apostle, some you know teacher, pastor, whatever, you know, if you if that's your identity, you are in trouble. You've got the wrong paradigm. You haven't got a paradigm of authority to rule. You've got a paradigm of of them being your authority. And what you do is defer always back to them. And they actually do not have the ability, the power, and the strength to get you through <laughs> anything or to establish you so that you can operate in authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore. He didn't say, I've given authority to your denomination or to your pastor or to your priest. I've given, he said, I've, I have authority. It's been given to me, exousia, the right to rule and reign. And he said, go therefore. So in his authority and his rule, we need to go. You need to go. So I just want to read to you here. So the first place of identity to start is right here in Galatians chapter 3 and verse um, 24. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. Verse 25, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. A lot of men would like to keep you being, would like to keep you in a place where they are your tutor. And, you know, that doesn't mean we don't learn, that, that we can't be taught. You know, I listen to, to teaching all the time by men of God, from old till modern, I'm constantly feeding my spirit, feeding my mind because I want to stay accurate to the word. I want my faith to grow. So now faith has come. We, aren't, we are no longer under a tutor. Verse 26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Look at that. You are all, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Do you have faith in Jesus? Do you have faith in the work in the cross? Do you have faith in what Jesus came to do on the earth? Then you are a son of God. The problem is, is we don't always understand all that Jesus actually did and all that he accomplished and all that he went through. And, you know, what was his assignment? What was his mission? What did he fulfill on the cross? What actually transpired there before he went, um, before he ascended to the right hand of the Father? Do we actually believe, uh, do we know what actually transpired when, when he sat down at the right hand of the Father as the living word, as the first, the, the first begotten from the dead? Do we actually understand that? Because otherwise, if we don't, we don't identify with it. And if we don't identify it, we don't understand who we are and what we have. That is a problem. So it's like somebody said, we are a kingdom of ignorant kings. We we don't know, we don't understand who we are, that we actually are kings that rule. Jesus is the king of kings. God didn't set up a kingdom with a bunch of slaves. He set up a kingdom with, with kings to serve in that kingdom. So you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus for you, for all of you were baptized for for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So just like Jesus was a son of God, 
we've clothed ourselves with his sonship so that we become sons as well. So then he goes on, verse 28, there is therefore neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, there's no superiority in the kingdom of God. There's no, there's no, um, no man can claim a, a uh, spiritual superiority over others. Nobody can claim that. Nobody should, nobody should posture it. Nobody should even imply it. Verse 29, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And then, so we are children of Abraham, just, just like the Jews. And then chapter 4, verse 1, now say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is the owner of everything, but he's under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, that's you and me, we and us, while we were children, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Now, the elemental things there is interesting is the under the ceremonial ordinances, conditions, and um, I'm trying to see what my handwriting says here. Can't read it. Um, but yeah, so the so the, the the all the obligations and the and the ceremonial uh, ordinances, rules, traditions of men, and uh, and he says the elemental things of the world, and the world there is cosmos. It means that. The systems of the world. It means the culture of the world. The, the you know the 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 systems, the the ethnos systems of communities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we were under those things. The the Greek there implies that there was is a demonic influence involved in that. So until Christ, while we were children, we were held in bondage under these things, and they were. They were a curse. And so the curse comes from demonic influence. Verse 4, but when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So Jesus comes from God, sent forth, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, under the law. Why? In order that he might redeem, redeem. Remember, we've been speaking about that. The re means to purchase back to something, back to its original state. Those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. The word, the Hebrew, uh, Greek word there is weothesia, H-U-I-O-S. Um, and then thesia, T-H-E-S-I-A, weothesia. And it means to, to be adopted legally into a place of sonship. And verse 6, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, glory to God. So not only are we legally in, but we now have received the spirit of sonship as well. So we've had a transformation in our spirit beings that I, so we now are identified as sons, which means God is our father. Therefore, he says in verse seven, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. 
You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir. <laughs> Glory to God. You are now an heir of the father, not just not a slave. We've got to get out of the slave mentality. When people, you know, when men are making you slave, when they're oppressing you in slavery, even in the church, even in their denomination, even in their organization, you're being enslaved to be slaves. <laughs> you, you're under bondage, you know, and, and we are no longer slaves. God is not looking for slaves. He's looking for sons. Your identity is a son. You are a son of God. Therefore, you are no longer a slave because you've been adopted into the family of God. And you've not only been adopted legally, but you've received the DNA. You've received the spirit. You, you know, is like within you cries out, Abba, Father. You are you identifying who your real father is. You've come back to the original state. It says of Adam in the generations and the genealogies in the Gospels is that it comes to the end and it says, Adam, the son of God. You know, they go, this one, the son of this one, the son of that one, the son. And then it comes down to Adam, the son of God. God was his father. And God, Jesus, God sent Jesus to redeem you back to that place where you are redeemed and identified as a son of God. Now, if you haven't got that, you see, what sometimes leaders are so eager to become spiritual fathers. And, you know, to, to be over others that they actually do not get identified in their sonship. They struggle with that concept. And so, you know, they want to move. You cannot, I, I could, could not become a father unless I was a son. Now, my dad didn't do a great job of fathering because my dad was, didn't have a father. So he, he didn't know how to father properly. And so he was, he loved me and I loved him, but he was absent. We didn't have much much in common because because he was absent from me you know so so there was there wasn't a good connection in father sonship principles and i didn't understand sonship until i met my heavenly father when 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 i was introduced to my heavenly father then i could learn sonship but i walked in a journey for 15 years under a man as a spiritual father i was a son in 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 um, in relationship to him. And it wasn't so much that he he never controlled me, he never imposed on me, he never demanded from me, he never, you know, <laughs> he didn't have rules and regulations on me. We just loved spending time together and he would impart his heart to me. And that impartation did so much for me. He passed away in 2010, but, you know, when he did, I realized how much he had imparted to my life, what, what, what that journey of 15 years had meant to me and how much men and there were other men but other men abused that that whole concept created dysfunctionality in it um abused it did did more damage than they did building up or or bringing wholeness or identity damage rather than identity and so you know i've gone through that whole thing but Thank God for a man that introduced me to my heavenly father and showed me the heavenly father. And so you cannot go straight from being, you know, being an orphan to being a father. It's just 
that that whole concept you struggle with that concept and so that's why we got such a breakdown in 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 the natural in families so i want to encourage you is that if you're a leader you've got to go back to excuse me your identity as a son find your place as a son I, so that you don't stand in the pulpit as an orphan, that you don't stand in in life as an orphan, but you know your father. If you're struggling, listen to me, if you are struggling with, with, with a sense of security and confidence in who you are, if you're feeling lost and you're feeling, you know, like way out there, you're feeling rejected. You need to get in touch with your heavenly father. You've got to get the spirit. You've got to begin to get that identity of, you know, the, um, the spirit of the son, his son in our hearts crying, Abba, Father. That's what you've got to get back to. You, But you've got to get that identity. You've got to realize, I am a son of God. And you've got to tell yourself that. You've got, to, you've got to sing it to yourself. You've got to meditate on these scriptures and get, get it into you and say, I am a son of God. And therefore, I am an heir through God. I'm not a slave. Don't think like a slave. Don't act like a slave. <laughs> don't talk like a slave. Don't behave like a slave. You're not a slave. You are a son. And you're an heir through God. You are an heir of of the kingdom of God. You're an heir of the father. Glory to God. Because you're his son. And I cannot emphasize that enough. I want you to really get this in your heart. And really begin to identify with that. You know. Let no man put you down. Because, and, and say. You know. Your sonship is in their hands. Your son. No man has the power of your sonship. Only God. Not even the devil. <laughs> cannot touch it. You cannot touch it. The fact is, is it's there. You just haven't allowed the spirit of his son in your heart crying, Abba, Father. It's there. He's there. The spirit of God is there. The spirit of the son is there. But you haven't allowed the cry to be, Abba, Father. You haven't identified with your heavenly father. And tonight I want to tell you is you need to get to the place you identify with him. It's not a religious relationship it's not a religious rite passage it's not a, a religious ceremony it's not you know 10 steps in an organization it's not 15 you know levels it's you are tonight a son of god and if you're a leader you need to really get this identify with this role and as a believer as a disciple you need to identify with this role i am a son of God. I am a son of God, just like Jesus, because the spirit of the son is in my heart crying, Abba, Father. The spirit is crying, and now you've got to identify with the spirit in your heart and say, I have been adopted into his family legally. Nothing can take that away. I'm legally, the court of heaven has declared that I am, and therefore I have the, the, the spirit of the son. Therefore, I am an heir. Glory to God. You are an heir. It's not what you do and don't do and how good you are and not good you are. You are an heir. And therefore, you, are an, you inherit all that's in the heavenly places. All that Jesus inherited, you inherit. Listen, you're seated with him in heavenly places already. You just 
haven't identified with it. So I want to encourage you tonight, get identified with your role, with your place, with your, with your identity <laughs> as a son of the Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me. God bless you.